If you're interested in leaving your job and going full-time into the game of real estate investing, you will love this upcoming episode. It's a follow-up story to one that we've told before. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott here. So, oh, just give me a second. Let me turn the old headphone volume up a little bit so I can hear myself a little better. So, hope you're having yourself a wonderful day. I'm recording this. Uh, got my cup of coffee here, and you know, having a having a nice morning here as well. Just taking care of some taking care of some business. Just gotta do some recording here, uh, podcast, some opening to the upcoming episode, and then I'm just uh, on my way for a walk. Got to get some exercise. Got to get some fresh air, and spring's coming. It's, it's always wonderful of when spring comes and the leaves start coming out and the grass, you can start seeing it in many markets across the country and many um, provinces across the country. You know, it's that uh, time of year where you, you find out all the potholes that have <laughs> formed over the winter, and uh, you find out how much uh, uh, windshield washer fluid. And, and I, I often joke, especially if you're in the prairies, also Eastern Canada as well, is uh, this is car wash season time. So <laughs> sitting there, you spend more time almost in the car wash. Okay, gang, um, got a wonderful um, story here for you and a wonderful follow-up. Um, the person that uh, you will hear from on this episode, this interview is um, one of my coaching clients, somebody who I've worked with for better part of a couple years. Um, and, uh, you've, you've heard his name before you've heard multiple episodes. I think this is episode, uh, I think this is the fourth time that he's been on my podcast. So if you are wanting to check back and hear some of the other episodes, if you're brand new, first of all, if you're brand new to my podcast, just welcome, you know, let's just, uh, consider this a, uh, whether you, you're like human contact or not, uh, consider this a big giant warm bear hug. If you don't like that human contact, consider this uh, knuckles, right? <laughs> or if you don't even like that, you don't know, consider this just a, a virtual high five. So first of all, just wanted to welcome you to the podcast if you're new and the person you're going to hear from today is Michael Bug. And Michael has been, you know, I call him Mike. Yeah, we can all call him Mike. He's, we're all friends on, on this podcast. And Mike was on episode 11, 42, and 61. So he's a four-time, four-time offender of being on the podcast here. And one of the reasons why I love to always share Mike's story is because he's always up to some cool things. He, he, he gets it. He understands uh, the hard work that you have to put in, but he's got things in the right perspective, and and he's he's so wise beyond his years. That's one of the things that I've always been so impressed by Mike, is that he he's so coachable. He just instantly gets it, and you share some insights, and you help him, and you coach him along, and he just yeah got it, got it. Instant implementation. You know, sometimes kicking and screaming to many respects in some cases, but at the same time, he just gets it done. And then not only does he just get it done, he takes it to the next level. He always takes it up a notch from there. So in this one, we're going to talk about a couple things. Number one, uh, first and foremost, uh, it was a big congratulations. Mike has published a book. Mike has published a book. Now, for many of the people in my audience that are listening to this, it might not be applicable for you. Um, it's in he Mike is a former veterinarian. And it's more to support the veterinarian community, more to support um, young veterinarians getting into the business, 
about what you're going to be experiencing, things like that. And Mike and I talk about that as well. We talk a lot about the um, the process of writing, why he did it. And there's a really cool story. Like, there, like don't just dismiss this that, oh, he just wrote a book on sports veterinarians. This is actually... It, it, it comes back to real estate. It comes back to financial independence. It comes back to everything that we've been talking about on the podcast for all these years. So the cool thing here, and, and Mike, towards the end of this interview, absolutely just literally dropped a bomb. And it just actually just, uh, you know, took me back a moment when I heard about it. It was something that I hadn't heard. And just the way he reframed how he is raising capital for his real estate business. It just absolutely just floored me. And um, it was fantastic. And I'm not going to tell you what he said. And you'll probably hear my shock on this. And and shock in a good way. It was like, wow, I've never thought of that. And that's fantastic. And it makes so much sense. And I'm, I'm, I'm changing how I'm talking about this going forward. That's how impactful it was. So hopefully I've set that up enough for you, everybody. Um, I'm going to keep the opening intro here uh, as tight as possible. But a couple other things we talk about, we talked an awful lot about raising your standards. We talk an awful lot about um, delivering upon your goals. We talked an awful lot about the importance of language. You know, after Mike just wrote his book, one of his biggest lessons was is how important your words are, the language that you use. Words are power and being very intentional on your words. And then he also dropped, like I said, dropped that bomb on how he reframes how he raised capital, and how he's building his real estate portfolio going forward. Um, okay, so that's all I'm going to say here. We're going to set this up right away. But but what I want to encourage you to do is make sure you stick around right to the very end. I got a, a wonderful story for you I want to share with you at the end. And it's just something that just happened just this past week. And... Um, it it um, I'm still in a bit of a shock after a conversation I had with a good friend that I hadn't talked to in a while. And, and I'm looking at things a little bit differently after that conversation. So make sure you stick around right to the end and hear all about that. All right. With all that being said, without any further delay, please help me welcome the four-time offender on the podcast, Mr. Michael Bug. Michael Bug, how are you today, my friend? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Russell. I'm doing fantastic. Great to be here. Well, it's it's Mike. It's like I made the joke yesterday when we had our quick conversation that, uh, you know, now that you're a best-selling author and now that you have a book and you got the smoking jacket and the pipe and the glass of Cavassier there, you know, you're, you're, you're like in a new, a new echelon. Are you going to remember all us little people when, when you, when you <laughs> now that you're a famous author? Yeah, you may have to go back and put quotes around the best-selling part. I don't, I don't think we're quite there. Well, interesting to note, and I don't know if your publisher or the, your self-publishing team told you, in Canada, to get best-selling author status is not that difficult. I think it's 5,000 books, to be honest. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's actually, quite, I, when I found out that, now, here's the thing. It's, it's been a while since I've been talking with my publisher and our publisher and stuff like that. But way back in the day when we published our books, it was like 5,000 books here in the Canadian Best Selling Club. Okay, I think that's achievable in time. It's not going to be uh, in, in seven days or anything, but in time. You mean to tell me you didn't have to buy 5,000 of your own book to start with? And what, what was, did you have to buy any of your own book to start? No, no. Uh, it all goes through Amazon. 
um, and a few another printing place. So I believe it's print on demand. So I did buy a few yep. because my mom wants one. But no, I didn't go buy a big lot of books. Well, I kept checking my my mailbox for my advanced copy to come, but I, you know, I'm, you know, Canada Post these days. Hey, hey, Mike. Yeah, let's blame them. <laughs> but it does remind me, I will get you a copy. It has just been hectic, hectic I'm, to get over the finish line. I'm teasing you, my friend. As you know, I'm going to be probably coming out that way, and I will probably grab that book that's right behind you over your shoulder on the on the back on the back on the back bookshelf there. So I know we're just, we're diving deep into the deep end here. So first and foremost, Michael Bug, this is episode, you're on, you're on the fourth time on my podcast here. So this is number four. And every wow. time, every time you and I have a conversation, I always look forward to it because I learn so much more every time we do. And I always love catching up with you and what you're doing because you're, you're just one of those people that just, you're, you do stuff and you get stuff done and you're always moving and always shaking. There's always something going on at your house. But most importantly, the first question I want to ask you is the most important thing is how is the family? How's Rosalie? How's Ethan? How's, how's uh, Riley? How's everybody doing? We're, we're doing well. I will say it is quite a jump up going to from one kid to two kids. Uh, so, so we had our moments in there and we had a few uh, like minor illnesses. So I, not to scare anyone, but you know, we had both of them did have to take a visit down to the hospital for you know, croup and whatnot, but we're through that. Everyone's healthy and happy. We're starting to get into a sleeping routine, which is fantastic. So overall, things are well. Nice. Well, congratulations. Um, you guys have such one of the... I I love following you guys on, on social media and Instagram. It's just like you guys have like such the, the cutest family, honest to goodness. It's like, it's one of those ones you just want to just pinch the cheeks and it's just like the cutest, the cutest little Canadian kids and the cutest family. And you, you and Rosalie, am I still to me are just still kids yourself, by the way. Yeah. I, I mean, she's, she's a good one. She's a great partner for raising kids. I, I feel like I can take like 20% credit maybe yep. for how they're turning out because she's a rock star as yeah. a mother. Yeah. You and I both subscribe to the marrying above our weight class. <laughs> <laughs> out there as well. And and if it wasn't for Korean, I, I don't even know. I honestly don't know. I would know what day of the week it would be. I wouldn't even know which way to turn. It's like Korean, if she, she just keeps me, keeps me going in the right direction many days. So, yeah. but with all that being said, said book, Mr. Book. So, okay, I'm going to frame this up here for a second, Mike. And I'm, I'm about to share something here. And I, this is by no means in any way, shape, or form, throwing you under a bus or being any negative raining on your parade or anything. Because here's the thing. Is you delivered something that a select only handful of people will ever do. And you've written a book and you've put a book out into the world. But I have something I want to share here. And I remember this um, from our last conversation in 2019. I, do you know where I'm going? I Rick? know what's coming. Well, hang on a sec. I got to get ready with the face palm here. So hang on a sec here. Let's, I just played. I, I shortened it down to 20 seconds, but let's listen to this. When is the book going to be finished? And when is the, when can we put in our calendars to sit there and say, Michael Bug, is what's the book, where it is, and when can I buy it? So I don't have an exact date. For sure, 2021, fall 2021 seems reasonable. I would like October. Let's go October. October, okay. Okay, so hang on, Mike. October 2021. Um, on on camera of saying that. And uh, it, hang on, let me just go back here for a second. Are you wearing the same shirt? 
that you were? <laughs> no, I, that was the first thing I looked for. I was like, oh no, but slightly different color, but all my shirts basically look the same. That's one of my little hacks, but nice. slightly different. Nice. Well, congrats. so, so I'm just putting that out there and, and hit Mike. I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm not, there's no shade and there's no throwing anybody under the bus. It's, it's all fun because honest to goodness, congratulations, my friend. And, and there it is on Amazon. It's true, right? Your book is, is out there. Um, talk to me about it. So what was the process about uh, writing your first book, my friend? Well, it was difficult. I knew as soon as you started smiling, I knew what you were going to pull up. Um, I forgot that it was 2021. So I blew that deadline out of the water. So that's a bit embarrassing, but honestly, and I've reflected on this a lot because it just took longer than it should have. I've always wanted to write a book like from as long as I can remember. And I know you've been to my place this whole wall is a whiteboard. That's where I put my big ticket things and I have write a book on there. And I remember when COVID hit and, you know, when, when the whole world shut down and I remember my calendar just emptying, right? All the coffee meetings disappear. Everyone's just huddled up. And I remember looking over and being like, if not now, then when? Like I have all this free time. So I thought, and I was like, let's go. And that was the moment I just committed to writing the book. So dove in, started writing. It took way longer than I thought. Um, I would pick it up, put it down. To be completely honest, it wasn't my number one priority by any stretch, you know, and that's that's why it took so long. Um, but feels very good to finally have deliver, delivered that. The, the number one thing is when I look back, you know, and Unfortunately, the day comes where where I can see the end. I don't want to regret having not done it, right? So I am really proud that, yes, it is official. It's done. Never have to worry about that again. Nice, nice. Well, first of all, congratulations. And, and you know, I'm I'm going to, do I even have, a, I don't even know if I have a, some, hang on here. I got the wrong sound effect here. I need to have. There we go. Take a bow, take a bow. So congratulations once again. Um, now I know we're gonna we'll dive into it a little bit here, but but I would by and large say that the majority of my audience is um, you know the most majority of my audience are real estate investors, entrepreneurs, um, content creators, business people like that. Your book probably isn't relevant to them, but but I think what is relevant to them is the process, is the discipline, is the um, the, what it's going to turn into as kind of maybe like a business opportunity and what you're doing with it. But but before we do dive into that line of questioning and conversation, t- tell us about the book. What is, what is it all about? Yeah. So the title is You're Going to Get Peed On, right? And it's how veterinarians can keep their dream job from becoming a nightmare while working less and earning more. And I really, I set the book up. If you were a vet- veterinarian and you're going through your career, There's all sorts of struggles that you're going to face that have nothing to do with medicine and surgery. And the book is laid out roughly in the order that you're going to experience them, right? So you come out perfectionism, imposter syndrome, decision fatigue, empathy fatigue, questioning your identity, you know, resilience. So the first two thirds of the book really speaks to veterinarians, you know, in the trenches of veterinary medicine and all of those skills outside of what you're taught in university. The last third of the book is where I start to introduce, you know, investing, personal finance, a lot of things that I'm really passionate about. I keep it at a really basic level, 
the whole goal there is to start to sort of change the context of veterinarians, you know, and how they view personal finance and how they view their investing. Nice. Well, and and just for if if this is the first time Dr. Michael Bug has been introduced to you on my on my episode, um, you're you're a retired, or, or are you still a practice? You're not practicing, but are you still a member of the Veterinarian Society? Is that the right? Yes, is I'm that still, the is that the right terminology even that I used? Yes, I'm still licensed. I'm not practicing. I've moved my license to just a social license, but I could go back to practicing you know, by doing a little bit of continuing education. Right. So, and and refresh my memory, because I'm getting old here and long in the tooth. When when was the stethoscope officially hung up on the wall? Well, I think it was July 17th, 2018. And it was a Tuesday. And I remember it was very vividly, you and I were doing work together and we were having a Zoom session and I had my my head down, you know, kind of like, man, we got to make some changes here. And you you brought up a white screen and you had three dates on there. By the time I looked up, they were already written. And you were like, pick one. And I was like, what are you talking about? Pick one. Like, And you're like, just pick one of the dates. And I don't remember what the date was, but it was like, that was the day that I had to have my resignation letter handed in. And then you would challenge me also, like, type it up tonight, handed it in on that day, and then I got to pick the actual date, July 17th, and we lined it up there because I believe you were coming through Saskatoon. Um, and July 18th, we spent the, the whole day together, I believe, um, you know, masterminding real estate investing. Yep. Congratulations. I, 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 you know, I'm not here to say as there was no magic on what I did. I was just maybe <laughs> I was getting tired of you keep talking about the same thing over and over again, Mike. It's like, if not now, when, just like you did with your said about your book and let's pick a day. Let's just pick a day and just let's, let's just do it. Now, looking back upon that. So what are we now? Five years We're coming on five summer, summer number five. Um, do you any regrets? What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned and would you have done it any differently? I would say no regrets. I get that question all the time. You know, do you miss it? Do you regret it? And sure, there are parts of, of you know, being an active veterinarian that I do miss. I really enjoyed lots of my clients, lots of my patients. Overall, for my life happiness, no regrets, right? The path that Rosalie and I are on, what we're trying to create for our family, you know, I, I'm excited. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I'll go so far to say I wish I had done it sooner because I do believe you need to acquire various skills along the way. And then when all those skills kind of come together and you're ready to go. So it seemed to happen, you know, as it should. Right now. Now, I don't mean to get into to too much detail. And if I'm going too deep, just please, by all means, let me know. And also at the same time, um, if it's too personal or you don't know, I, I, no problem. Financially speaking, um, do you believe you're better off now than you were or, you know, because you were getting a paycheck and stuff like that? Is Are you on a day-to-day -day basis? Are you doing better or you have more assets? How do you, because that's the way most people measure this. Most people will measure the transition to leaving their job based upon a financial number or a paycheck or things like that. How, how would you assess that for you? Okay. I, I'm going to go in a few different veins here because... I'm part of a mastermind and quarterly we fill out what's called our one sheet. And on that one sheet, you know, there's a financial section. So I can tell you literally what me and Rosalie's net worth is every quarter for the last number of years. 
But also on that one sheet, there's something called a life happiness index. And it goes through all the various areas of your life. And you have to honestly reflect on them and score them. You know, it's pretty informal. You just score them one to 10, but there's going to be an average that comes out in there. Um, By all measures, we are ahead, right? You know, our net worth is is at the highest point that it's ever been. Life happiness index, with the exception of limited sleep from the newborn, but with that exception, life happiness index definitely trending upwards. But there was a dip. There was definitely a financial dip, you know, for like roughly Rosalie and I were each six figure earners, right? So we'll just say roughly around a hundred grand a year each. She had her professional career. I had mine. So we were good. We, we were very disciplined. You know, we had a household budget and we knew we can live off one of our paychecks, right? We knew that in advance. So really the risk was very minimal of, of stepping away. Yeah. And, but it and did for you to go for you to go back and get a job again was probably not too difficult if ever needed to as well. If it just was, oops, that didn't work, you know, let's go back and get a, let's let's go back to a clinic again. I I could have a veterinary job in under thirty seconds. Okay, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You were just really flowing with. Uh, so so first of all, you know, thank you, Mike. You're bringing the fire always, right? Bringing the fire, and obviously when fire happens. Bombs start dropping. Michael Bug is here, everybody, dropping some bombs and some information. So, by and large, financially, you're doing well. And 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 I would I would bet you would probably say that's now one of the lower criteria of your measurement as well. You're just you're happier now. You're in a different place. You're no longer grumpy Mike. You're now happy Mike a little bit more. And you can actually start doing like you would have never been able to write a book if you were still in the clinic and practicing on an on a ongoing basis. Cool. Yeah, it would have been much harder. And it's miserable, Mike. It was miserable, miserable Mike. Miserable, Mike. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, and I really look at it, you know, as the financial piece starts to take care of itself a little more, I spend a lot more time thinking about how am I earning the money, right? What What is that taking away from me in terms of my emotional health and my energy? So the dollar amount becomes less important, but how you get to that dollar amount becomes more important. Right, right. You know, and I know you and I um, shared a webinar that we did a little while ago, and it was very impactful. It was impactful for myself. And um, the way you look at goals is is a really different take on it. It's completely different than mine. And and I don't say yours is better or worse or whatever. It was just completely different. And and you shared something with our inner circle that I, I don't mind if you could share it again. One of your goals was to become the best something or other. So hopefully that uh, prompted you to be able to share. What is your, what is your number one goal, Mike? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I have sort of this version of myself, you know, and, and every year I'm kind of working to, to get to that. But really, it's like you have to enjoy that journey on the way, right? And I had shared a quote on that webinar. You know, one of the top regrets of of the dying, unfortunately, is that they wish they had lived a life true to themselves. And so for me, I've really tried to peel that away when I'm setting goals. And I ask myself, am I doing this because I think other people think I should do it, right? That I should be doing it? Or am I doing this? Because this is what I want, what Rosalie and I want for our family, and it's going to deliver the most for our family. Yeah. And so I, I'm a lifestyle investor, right? I am optimizing 
for lifestyle. So you're not going to catch me, you know, chasing and trying to do the most deals and catch Grant Cardone so that I can go on social media and say that I'm a billionaire. And I'm also not poo-pooing on that if that's someone's goal. If you want to be a billionaire, go do it. I'm optimizing for lifestyle freedom, right? So that when Riley gets home from daycare, I'm coloring with her. I'm taking her for a walk in a wagon. Those are my measures of success. Yeah, is how you are as a dad. And you shared a beautiful story on that webinar about when you were at, I think it was at the Saskatoon Inn and you were, you know, Riley almost crushed you on a day of on the water slides. Maybe share that story with everybody if you remember that. Yeah, so this really ties into how I used to set goals and how I currently set goals. And so I, I would say how miserable Mike set goals is they were very outcome-based, right? And so as a veterinarian, it would be get into vet school, graduate vet school. And I was always deferring my happiness, right? I was always, once I achieve this, I'll be happy, right? Once I graduate as a veterinarian, I'll be happy. Once I'm worth a million dollars, I'll be happy. And that's a really, you know, lonely place to be because you're always chasing a horizon that just never comes. And I started shifting my whole goal setting process more around my identity, right? And so what I, one of the things I started doing with health, health is important to me, but I took up running. Running is something I've always liked. I just never embraced it because I had all this ego tied into like, okay, you're a 20 some year old man. You need to have big biceps and you should be at the gym doing bench press. And so that's what I did because that's what every other 20 some year old guy was doing. And I like hid that part of myself, right? But once I stepped into it and I was like, no, it's okay to enjoy running and go for a run and have smaller biceps. And it was an Instagram post where it was just some guy. I have no idea who he, who he is or what his name is, but he was out for a run with pushing his kids in a stroller. And I was able to point to it and be like that, that is what I want. That's the dad I want to be. And it, what's funny, Russell, is just this Saturday, I had to do one of my training sessions Riley wanted to come along and I'm supposed to be doing one kilometer sprints at this phase. And I was like, sure, hop in the stroller. So we have a running stroller and I'm pushing her. It's spring melt right now. So I'm pushing her through puddles. We're pushing through slush. It's flying around. We're just messy, messy and wet. And I was like, this is amazing, right? Like this is the goal, right? I'm not pursuing something that I'm never going to reach. It's the journey of getting there. So all of this is leading up to, to that day water sliding. And it's like, I would say I'm reasonably fit, right? Like I'm in quite good shape. I train a lot and Riley loves water sliding. So we go to the water slides. It's three or four stories to climb up and we're going and we're going and we're going. And she's like tired. She's like, daddy, carry me up. We go down. We go, daddy, carry me up, down. And like 30, 40 times to the point where like, she has almost broken me. Like I'm proud of my fitness level. And I'm like, I can't climb these stairs anymore, but I keep going. She finally wants to take a break. I'm like, yes, dad needs a break too. We sit down and this sweet old lady kind of comes up to us and there's a viewing area off to the side where most of the parents are sitting, you know, they're having a drink and whatnot. And this, this grandma comes up to me. I don't know her. And she says, I just wanted to come up and tell you, I've been watching you. You're a really great dad. And that was on January 1st, 2023. And I was like, heart like melted. And I was like, that just made my year, right? Because that is exactly what I'm optimizing for. Yeah. What a, what a brilliant way. What a wonderful way of reframing your goal. So you go running 
to get into better shape, to be able to be a better dad. So you're there for your kids and you're not tired and all that kind of stuff. So the goal is not to run a marathon and under a certain period of time, even though you do have an, a, a benchmark that you want to do, but your ultimate goal is to, to you do the running to become a better dad. So you're just there when your kids need you. Yeah. And it's it, it, even through the process of writing this book, I, I became a lot more in tune with language right? And that's just natural. The editors come back and you're literally reading your book line by line. And they're like, do you want that word there or this word? And you're like, I've never thought of it this way before, but the words that you say matter. And so my goal setting has even changed where now I insert the word standards a lot. And it's like, I want that to be my standard, right? That I'm the dad that's there for my kids. That doesn't mean I don't mess up sometimes, right? There are, everyone has days and whatever, but overall that's my standard. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I would imagine at the same time, that's how what you apply to your real estate and your investments is that we're looking to buy investable assets to pay us the cash flow so that we can be there for our kids and create the lifestyle for our kids and going forward. Now, are you going to be one of those parents that you're going to hand everything down to the kids when they get of age, Mike, or are you going to make them have to work for it too? Like what's, what's, what's the plan there, my brother? I suspect Rosalie and I haven't hashed this out completely, but I suspect we're going to make them work for it. Um, Rosalie has some incredible stories of her upbringing, um, you know, like the chore checklist. And she was even more driven than me. She would actually buy the chores from her sisters, right. For half price. And like, so I, I think there will be a healthy dose of you need to go out there and earn this Riley and Ethan. Yeah. You know, it's, and I know the kids are young and early in the process, but it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to do sometimes to see them struggle and, and be challenged when you love them so much and it's just, you want to just help them and just move forward. And, and just as an FYI, Mike, just for your reference, as you can probably hear in the background, Scooby says hi, just as an FYI. So he's barking away. Always good. Always good to hear Scooby. Yeah, Scooby's getting old, though. Scooby is um, starting to slow down. He doesn't want to go on his walks as much anymore. He wants to go outside the door and go about six houses down each way and sniff everything, but he doesn't want to go any further. So uh, they get old. They get older, my friend. They get older. Um, all right, so here's where I was going with this. So your and you said something to me a while ago that your time metric, your return on time is actually one of your biggest metrics for if you're going to invest in something or not. Is that, uh, maybe talk on that a little bit for me. Yeah, I would say, you know, early in my real estate investing career, it was much more about the dollars, right? If I, if, if there was profit to be had, you know, chasing down a deal, I would, I would kind of pursue that because that was my number one thing. Now I'm getting very intentional, very dialed in on, these are the specific types of projects that I will look at and consider, right? Because I know I have the teams, I have the systems, we can execute on them and I can drop those in and my return on time is very high, right? They also, they still have to make sense from a business case. Like they still have to be profitable, obviously, right? But I'm really looking for that sweet spot where we can get a great return and a, on investment and a great return on time, which means you say no to a lot more. Right. That's that's awesome. I love the way you look at that. Um, now, with that framework in mind, <laughs> um, if you're looking at a return on time, why the heck would you want to write a book? Well, there's there are some things that fall outside of, you know, I, the book is not a spreadsheet. The book is not an investment, right? That was, I've always wanted to write a book. 
So you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. Right. And I just, I couldn't accept not doing it. So there is no rationale from the amount of time spent and the amount of money I spent. Like I will, this book will not be profitable. I mean, barring wildly exceeding expectations on sales, this is, this was not a let's make money endeavor, right? This was a, like a passion project. Let's do it. Let's see if you can do it and actually deliver, right? It's sometimes it's just one of those things of just, you did it just to prove that you can do it. And it was just something that was on your list. And um, either I let it go or I lean in and get it done. And obviously you got it done. So for, why don't you talk about the book writing process for you? Like, um, I know you kind of shared a little bit of kind of the idea and, and you have a wonderful story that it's kind of built around. And maybe you can share that story, kind of like the, the, the central story to the, the um, origin of the book, if you will. And then we'll talk a little bit about your writing process. Maybe share that with people. Yeah. I'm assuming you're meaning the cover, like the title. Yes. The, the you're going to get peed on. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the you're going to get peed on, uh, came about quite literally. And so you, I had been having a lot of conversations with veterinarians and I knew my story wasn't unique, right? I had all of these different blogs that I had written and different challenges. And every time I spoke with someone, they would share, wow, I'm feeling the exact same way. And I remember it was one day in the veterinary clinic. I love cats. This Tomcat comes in and Tomcats can sometimes play pretty coy. So he's playing really coy, really docile. But I know because I've worked with enough Tomcats, I was like, we can't trust this guy at any second. He's going to spring to life and he is going to be like a ninja killer. And sure enough, that's what he does. He springs to life. I mean, he's biting, he's scratching, he goes flying through the air. One of the technicians kind of catches him midair and swings around. And as he swings around, he decides this is a great time to pee. I'm standing there with a syringe and he gets me just all down the face, like cat, cat pee down my face in my mouth. And I was just, this is in miserable Mike time, Russell, right? So we have to remember the frame that I'm receiving this stream of cat pee is, is miserable Mike hit in the face, in the mouth. And that was the moment when I'm like, I'm just done, right? Like I am truly done. I am going to be making some tough decisions in my life and we will be pivoting. Um, and that was the inspiration, obviously of, of the title of the cover. I tried to replicate a cat that you know, it was very disheveled, but the the cat on the cover was very friendly. Right. Yeah. And we even, we, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday when we were working together and you were telling me about it. We even gave the cat a name, Diablo and, <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but, but here's the thing, gang, that I'm encouraging each and every one of you. How many of you have um, had, you know, are looking for those cat P moments in order to make a, a, a decision in order for, and, and a lot of times it happens if there's a death or there's a, a scare of health or there's um something blows up and you have like there's your backs up against the wall and there's desperation mode on things like that um you know many people sometimes you have to have some inspiration like you know maybe you don't need a cat peeing on you moment but at the same time that cat, I would imagine, arguably speaking to you, that cat pee moment was one of the best things that ever happened to you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the it's the classic reframe of, you know, things happen for you, not to you. Obviously, at the end of that day, I went home, I was kind of pissed off. And I was like, that sucked. 
But with the benefit of hindsight, once you calm down, it's like, you know, that was a great experience. And there's, there's a paradox that exists out there, you know, when things are, you know, not, not super good, but they're not devastatingly bad. Right. But they're just in that middle zone where it doesn't cause you to take any action. That's the worst place you can be. Right. Paradoxically, it would be much better if things were far worse for you temporarily. Yeah. Because it would make you take action and you will end up in a better spot. Yeah. But a lot of people get stuck in that zone, right? Where it's like, it's not good, but it's not really bad. It's just sort of like, ah, it's uncomfortable, but I can just keep toughing it out for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I had a, a coach of mine that once said, is, you know, you can make anything work as long as you work it. Right. Um, but at the same time, is sometimes, is this what you should be doing, right? At, this, at the same time as, is are you um, doing your calling, your purpose? And sometimes you just need those cat pee moments that be, to, to be the straw that broke the camel's back and then just changes things for forever. It changed your trajectory. It changed the trajectory of your relationship. It changed the trajectory of how your kids are going to know you, Mike. Like really think about that. Um, and it also changed the trajectory of every one of these young veterinarians coming into it that maybe reads this book and you're paying it forward to an entire new generation of veterinarians coming coming on. And, uh, well, it's crazy. That's crazy to think about that one moment, how that rippled out and, and impacted thousands, if not tens of thousands of people's lives. Yeah, that gets me fired up. I yeah. mean, when we look at intentions of writing the book, I'm not going to lie. Number one was for myself, like prove I can do it. Number two is the impact, right? I'm really excited to see, you know, as this book ages a year, two years, five years, 10 years, just what kind of impact it can have on veterinary students and new grads, um, you know, because I believe in it. I really do. Like I, I poured a lot into it. No, no, I look forward to seeing a lot of the reviews and I look forward to hearing a lot of um, things that will come out of this as well. Um, you and your business partner, Jonathan, during this time as well, when you left, um, you guys started a podcast as well, too. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so the podcast is called the Veterinary Project Podcast. Um, really, I mean, Jonathan and I are kind of very aligned, business-oriented, entrepreneur-oriented, and the podcast is aimed for veterinarians in the veterinary industry and we talk about everything that isn't medicine and surgery. So it really ties in with the book well, right? We have entrepreneurial guests on. We talk about all the challenges you face in the veterinary clinic. We talk about investing. I do real estate investing talks. Our whole purpose is to positively impact the veterinary community. And we're really trying to inspire veterinarians to live intentional lives, right? Because I know what it feels like to get stuck on autopilot, you know, where you're maybe unconsciously living the same day over and over. And, you know, people will describe that as being stuck on the hamster wheel, but it's like, you have the power to change that, right? Like it is one decision away, one committed decision away from picking yourself up off that hamster wheel and going in a new direction. Yep. And, and I'm just going to put a pin in this for myself, just to remind me that we are going to talk real estate and real estate investing, because you're one of the more active real estate investors I know out there. And you're, you always got something on the go. You're analyzing properties, you're buying properties, you're, you're doing this. And we're also going to kind of tie this all together on the podcast, the book, investing in real estate, investing in stocks. And there, there, is, a, there is a purpose to, to all of this as well. But I did start the line of question is, 
um, your process for writing the book. How did you go about doing this? Did you just sit down one day and just pull out the old um, keyboard and just start going? Did you have a ghostwriter? How did you how did you do your process? Yes. So I'll give you how I did it, and I'll chime in with ways that I should have done it different because I learned a lot. Um, so when I started it, it's funny. Apparently, most authors write the book first, and then the title comes out of it. I was the opposite. I had the title, right? I had the core story. I had the core feeling, the core intention. I just needed the, the book to fall in line behind that. So the first thing I did is I had a variety of blog posts over the years that I knew pieces of would work. So I just outlined like, what are the big concepts that I want to hit on on the book, right? And that's where I basically laid out the chapters. A lot of them stayed the same. Some of them totally disappeared. New ones got added in. So it wasn't permanently fixed, but that was the rough framework, right? Then I dropped those blog posts in wherever they fit. Then I started filling in um, mostly with stories, right? Stories to tie this all together. Um, eventually, what I did do is uh, I started working with Julie Broad. So your audience may remember her from her days in the real estate space. I believe she was revenue and she was a real estate coach once upon a time, uh, but she pivoted because she she really loves books and she has a company called Book Launchers. And so I reached out to her and I actually joined Book Launchers. And so basically what they do is they grab you and hold your hand and say, come with me, we'll walk you through everything. Um, so with that, you know, they help you finish your writing once you have a, a, a final copy, you know, there's all sorts of edits that happen, like content one, two, three, proofreading one, two, three, cover design. Um, you know, they took care. I had to get like the ISBN numbers, but they took care of, okay, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes and Noble. It's it's everywhere, right? So they took care of a lot of back-end stuff, which I'm really grateful for because it would have taken me even longer. Um, and I will say, just because I really believe in full transparency, I did have a ghostwriter come in, um, you know, roughly I'll say I had the book, you know, 75 or 80%, but it, there were still just missing pieces. And I had just looked at it so many times that it was like, we, we need a new set of eyes on this thing. And so with the ghostwriter, what we did is we would jump on Zoom for roughly an hour. They would have read the chapter in advance and they would just ask me questions, right? Like, what were you trying to say in this chapter? Do you have a story that could fill in these two things? And they just took all sorts of notes and they just sort of polished the chapter, you know, to get it to that 100% portion. So I did use a ghostwriter, you know, for those final few yards. Wow. That's it's here. Here's the thing, gang, for, for any of you that if you are wanting to, to, to do a book, maybe with the exception of, you know, J.K. Rowling or Stephen King or David Goggins or, you know, somebody who gets to go on the Joe Rogan podcast and promote their book. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a passion project. It's, it's a lot of work. It's like um, the analogy I use is it's like downhill skiing in Saskatchewan. It's a long climb for a short slide. All right, so you better you better be loving the process because it, it ain't a money making venture unless you have a business built around the back end of the book to generate some leads from it. Then you have people to put into you know in opportunities or other entrepreneurial ventures or different um, you know maybe a, an investable program or you know just different things like that. So you have a you need to have a built out business strategy. 
if if you want to look at it as an entrepreneurial as an entrepreneur would look at it. So do you have um, kind of a business strategy around the book or is it just something you just wanted to just put out as a legacy, my friend? I sure hope you're enjoying this episode. Before we jump back to the conclusion, our strategic partners from Streetwise Mortgages are here with another important mortgaging tip. All right, take it away, Dahlia. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. If you're currently feeling overwhelmed by the uncertainty in the real estate market and the sheer volume and pace of news relating to the lending, the credit and the real estate landscape, I want you to know that you are not alone. I'm reaching out today to help you mute down the noise and also share with you a few key things that you need to be aware of heading into the next 12 months. This way, you can make an informed, not an emotional decision with respect to rates if you are planning on purchasing a property and uh, we're currently definitely seeing momentum on that front or refinancing or if you have a renewal coming up. First, let me paint a picture of the backdrop of the rate environment. Number one, the Bank of Canada signaled holding off any further increases to the overnight rate and it did confirm its position by not raising the rates during the last Bank of Canada meeting. Inflation is easing up based on the CPI trends, although the labor market remains tight. Also, the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank and the Credit Suisse in the US has created extra uncertainty about the stability of the financial system in the US and overall global concerns relating to bank liquidity. So with this backdrop, the rate hike cycle in Canada appears to have finally ended. And I know this is comforting for many. And currently the market is expecting that the next move by the Bank of Canada to be a rate cut, likely in Q2 of 2024 and potentially sooner. Having said that, no one really knows the exact timing, but what we know is that a rate cut is now on the horizon. Cuts typically happen gradually to bring prime rate down and they happen over time. And what's expected is that the cuts will eventually bring prime rate down by 100 to 200 points. Um, we will unlikely see Prime go back to what it used to be before the pandemic, unless something significant uh, happens and triggers that. Also, fixed rates have dropped over the past few weeks as the bond markets uh, reacted to the uncertain credit environment. Right now, there is something really funky going on with rates. If you look up the fixed rate mortgages, you'll see that the one and the two and the three and the four and the five year fixed terms are lower than where the five-year variable rate is currently. And the longer the term goes, the lower the fixed rate is. So that's an interesting uh, observation. Also, the banking regulators in both Canada and the US are proposing changes that will result in tighter lending overall. So what does all of this really mean to you? Number one, given that a cut 
by the Bank of Canada is now on the horizon, I invite you to consider riding the the rate roller coaster as it goes down, as this will save you interest and will help your cash flow. So how do you do that? Here's how you do it. If you're currently on an adjustable rate mortgage, as much as it's been painful for you to stay with an adjustable rate mortgage because your payments have gone up significantly as the Bank of Canada increased the overnight rate, sticking with your adjustable rate mortgage means that your monthly payment will go down immediately as soon as the Bank of Canada starts to cut down the overnight rates. And it will continue to do so every time the Bank of Canada cuts the overnight rate. If you're currently on a variable rate mortgage where the payment is fixed, but the allocation beneath the surface changes between interest and principal payments as the rates change, you will need to check your lender's policy because there is no guarantee that your monthly payment will go down as the rates go down. So if you want your payment to go down, uh, consider switching to an adjustable rate mortgage. And definitely, in my view, I wouldn't suggest that you get into a variable rate product with a fixed payment right now because you're going to lock that payment at the height of the cycle unless the lender's policy says that they will adjust the payment as the rates go down. If you're going to make a new rate decision because of a renewal, a purchase, or an equity takeout, you may be tempted right now to take a long-term fixed rate mortgage because the rates are lower and they are also cheaper in the long term. And while that may serve you well in the short run, it will hinder your ability to benefit from lower payments when the rate starts to come down. So consider a one-year fixed or a variable rate mortgage. Now, although I'm sharing with you the overall rate strategy, your final rate decision should be within the context of your financial situation and your personal plans, as well as the plans that you have for the property. This is why it is really important that you consult with a mortgage advisor to assess the suitability of the mortgage product and the term based on your individual plans and circumstances. Number two, with the tighter lending guidelines on the horizon, consider increasing liquidity and restructuring any expensive debts that you may have. You can increase liquidity by setting up a secured line of credit or increasing an existing one that you have. Also, restructuring debts now will help you enhance how your balance sheet would look like for any future financing that is needed under tighter guidelines. My team and myself are here to help you. We are here to help you make the right and most informed rate decision as you move forward. We're just an email away. Email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. We are here to support your success and help you move forward with certainty in this uncertain environment. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely a piece of business strategy to this. So you'll remember this goes all the way back. I, I don't even remember the year working, working with you and we had talked about the book Blue Ocean Strategy. And full disclosure, I've never actually read the book, but I have the gist of it is, you know, if you're a real estate investor and we start breaking down the different pillars, right? You need deal flow, you need capital, and you need operations, right? And you and I had talked a lot about, well, who are you going to work with? 
right? Especially on the capital flow side. And for me, it was a natural fit. Well, I'm, I'm going to work with veterinarians, right? I can speak to them. We have a lot of affinity. My story resonates. That's my blue ocean, right? And so for people that don't know, red ocean, that's where all the sharks are, you know, hunting and killing. So it's red with blood because everyone's competing in the same spot. Blue ocean is wide open. Yeah. Right. You have no competition there. And that's what I encourage a lot of people to do, especially if you're in the space and you're raising some capital. I use Mike as an example every single time as his case study, as his story, because it it's perfect. Like each and every one of you have maybe a different subgroup and a different culture and a different community that you associate with. There's probably some people within that group, within your church group, within your your oil field worker and people you're working with on the pipeline that you're dealing with. Maybe you become a service provider to them. Maybe you're uh, a farmer and you're at Agribition in Regina, and you that's where you have your your you network with other people. It doesn't have to be other real estate investors. To be honest, it you know you might actually be doing yourself a disservice by dealing with other real estate investors. Yeah. And I mean, there's value there to establish yourself, you know, as an expert and gain some credibility, but I made a complete pivot. I know when I first started, you know, putting out any amount of social media content, it was very much like how to be a real estate investor. Here's some expert advice. But when I stopped and thought about it, I was like, this isn't where my people are. Right. So a lot of your audience, I mean, they may know me because I've been on your podcast a lot, but the, the wider real estate community I'm not really a known name because I don't spend my time putting my messaging out to them. I spend my time putting my messaging out to the veterinary community because those are the people I'm looking to work with. Yeah. Right. So that's where, that's where the podcast comes in. That's where this book comes in and, you know, using your model, uh, you talk a lot about sort of a stepwise, you know, advancement of relationships, like relationships have various phases to them. You know, they start with, you just need to know each other, right? Someone like needs to know I exist and know what I do before we can start to nurture that relationship and move it along. Yep. So that's what the podcast does. That's what this book does. And then, I mean, the podcast goes further because I'm in their ears over and over and over. So every time they hear me, that's another touch point, you know, building credibility, building rapport, building trust. So by, by the time, like people say to me all the time when I finally meet them in person, they're like, I feel like I already know you. Like, I already know everything about you. It's like we've met a hundred times. And it's like, well, because they've heard me a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's brilliant. I obviously, you're, you've taken that to the next level with, um, with what you've done. And it, it, it's, gang, it's what, it's what works. So if you're sitting here and you're listening or you're watching, you know, by all means, jump into the real estate investment community, become an expert, be known in, in that community. And, and, you know, there potentially could be some business out of it for sure. But within your own, your own um, personal network, there's other people outside of this world, outside of that world too. And, and to be honest, they might be better candidates. Now, Mike, pivoting, um, you mentioned earlier before we kind of jumped on, on on air tonight about that you've reframed the way you look at raising capital. Is it kind of what you started going down? And, and maybe what did you mean by by that? Yeah. And so this really became clear as I was writing the book. And the reason being, when I talked about language, right? Like the editor is asking you, read this sentence and tell me if you want that word in there. And I became hyper aware of the language I, I'm using and that other people put up. And so I started looking at 
the whole concept of raising capital, right? And the the most sort of traditional and and looking at even the book to write the book, I went from wanting to write a book to committing to writing a book, right? I kind of said the same thing, but I also said something totally different, right? The person that commits to writing the book will actually write the book, right? And so just by changing your words, you change how you show up in a situation, okay? So getting into the raising capital reframe, the thing I see floated around the most is we're, we're going to use OPM, right? I'm, I'm using other people's money to further my real estate in, investing career and endeavors. And so I, I literally broke this down word by word. Use, right? I don't like to be used, right? Do you like to be used, Russell? Not at all. No one likes to be used, right? And so as real estate investors, we're running around, I'm using OPM. It's you're, t- you're telling everyone, I'm going to use you. Let me use you. And I'm like, the intention may not be there, right? I'm not saying everyone is, is running around maliciously, but it's just like, let's look at that. Do you want to be used? No. The next part, other people. It's like, well, who are other people, right? It's everyone that's not me. They don't even have a name. They're other people. And it's like, no, that's not how I work. I work with people that have names, right? They have names. I have relationships with them, right? So it's a complete reframe on the depth of the relationship you're going to have with that person, right? Money is the least egregious of those terms. All I'll really say on that is just honoring the fact that they have an amount of capital to deploy. They have worked hard for that. And it means a lot to them, right? So we're not just going to brush by it and be like, oh, they have a hundred grand, cool, right? So instead of using OPM, I'm working with named person that I have a very meaningful relationship with, and we are going to do our best to be great stewards of their capital. And so the reframe is, I don't raise capital, I return capital, right? And I know this is like subtle, but it's like anyone can raise capital, right? That just comes down to marketing and repetition, right? And we don't, we, I don't know how many examples we need in the real estate world as of late, right? I'm not, we're going to, we're just sort of saying that and anyone can look up what they want to find. But if someone says to me and they start rattling off, I've raised a hundred million, I've raised 200 million. The very next question needs to be how much have you returned, right? Because that is what the people that you are working with What's their primary concern? They don't care how much you've raised. They care how much are you going to return to me, right? So that's where I started putting myself over on the other side of the table, right? So I hope that makes sense. And it's changed completely how I look at, you know, quote unquote, raising capital. And I've like, I've changed the pillar in my real estate business, right? As we said before, acquisitions, returning capital, operations. Oh, Oh, woo-wee. Oh, Mike, my goodness, brother. Oh, Ooh, you just got to the hair on the back of my back. <laughs> just started standing <laughs> on in there, my brother. I love that. That is, I've I've never heard that. And um, you're one of the first ones to, to do that as a reframe. And I've been doing lots of reframe with people that I'm working with an awful lot. Like, for example... And I'm not to get on my soapbox here and I'm not taking anything away from what you're saying is, you know, gang, let's stop referring to us as landlords. We're rental housing providers. 
right? That's an awful lot more value. We're rental housing providers. And at the same time, you know, we're, we're also not um, working partners, right? We're not the workers, the worker bees. We're the experts, right? We're the real estate experts. We're the real estate expert partners in the transaction. You might have a capital partner and you have an expert partner right? You're not a working partner. But this one right here is, you know, I, we deliver a return of capital to a person's name. And then after that, we work on a return, you know, return on their capital, return of capital first, and then return on capital after type of thing. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Absolutely brilliant. I knew I invited yeah. Joe for a reason. Right? That's the there's <laughs> there's the the golden moment right there, my friend. So let's uh, let's uh, you know put a put a pin there. So speaking of real estate, I would be remiss not to ask you what you're busy up to. You you live in Saskatoon, just for everybody yeah. for everybody's reference. Um, what's going on in the beautiful province of of I was going to say beautiful province of Saskatoon, but beautiful province of Saskatchewan. And what's cooking out in Saskatoon right now? Yeah. I mean, I'm still actively looking. So for those that that don't know, I've pivoted over to the multifamily space. So we started with a lot of new construction, single family homes with basement suites. We still have some of those and we're kind of dripping those off, like selling those off. And again, from the return on time, I'm, just, I'm trying to really simplify the portfolio. So I'm looking for, you know, those value add walk-up style multifamily. Um, we haven't actually purchased anything in Saskatoon in a couple years, I believe. So I've been active in the Edmonton area. Um, so I'll just say Edmonton, but I mean, I'm referring to, you know, all the areas around Edmonton as well. Um, the most pressing is we are looking at closing or looking to close on an 18 unit um, here in May. So that'll officially cross the finish line. Uh, that one is a whole podcast episode because that that actually took, it'll be about one year. And there was things that we encountered in that purchase that I've never encountered before. Um, you know, the environmental things and just pushback and whatnot, but we are so close. Like we are literally, it's not first and goal. It's, it's first in inches. Like the tip of the ball has to move a millimeter here. Yeah. Um, well, make sure you, so ha- make sure you hand it off to Marshawn Lynch this time, by the oh, way. Oh yeah. I'm not throwing any slants. <laughs> we're not throwing a slant. Here. Sorry. Sorry for, um, for, for an obscure reference. Mike's a, a Seattle Seahawks fan and he still can't for, re- forget the time when they, on the goal line, blew the Super Bowl that they could have won that one year. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so that's the main thing. I'm, I'm analyzing a lot of deals and writing offers. To be honest, I haven't had anything really stick because I, I really am sticking to my principles. Um, you know, there's a lot going on in the world of interest rates. And I'm, I've found that we haven't quite come together, you know, buyers and sellers, sellers, namely still kind of expecting pricing that existed maybe at the peak of the market. Um, so I'm being patient, right? And I'm fortunate in that I kind of look at real estate investing in what I do. There's two businesses to real estate, right? So there's the core business that we all fully understand. And that's why everyone preaches, you know, if you buy a house or you buy an apartment, treat it like a business. The revenue comes in, the expenses go out. There needs to be a profit there after you cover all of your expenses, right? That's, That's a rental property. But then there can be a business that gets wrapped around that, you know, with people 
um, you know, maybe offering these products or syndications or whatever, whatever term we want to put to that. And I've witnessed a lot of people grow that business to the point that they have to have deal flow because they have to collect fees to keep the lights on. And I'm, I've been very intentional about how we grow so that we never have to put ourselves in that position, right? I never want to have to need to buy something and I never want to need to sell something. I want to get to choose on both of those, the entry and the exit. Yeah, nice. Well, that's brilliant. Well, well here's, why don't we, I'm going to put a pin in this for a second is why don't we make a commitment to you and Corey? Maybe we can jump on a podcast here. And I'm talking Corey Spurley, who was on uh, an episode of probably about a month or so ago. Um, why don't we make a commitment to jump on and tell the story of that last transaction? There's probably a year's worth of lessons in that year of a, of a closing of a deal. What would be the what would be yes, the biggest? Let's, let's what would get be, it across the finish line. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Is once it is closed, so up to this point, what has been the biggest lesson you've taken from it so far? Just one lesson. Stick to your principles, right? Like I, I we I have a buy box. I have buying criteria, and there was points in this deal where we had to, you know, the line wasn't drawn in the sand; it was drawn in the concrete, right? Where it was like. This is non-negotiable, right? And, and what I'm referring to just for the real estate investors is it required a phase two, right? And there was a bunch of stuff that happened where they were, you know, we're trying to push forward and it got to the point where Corey and I were like, this is non-negotiable. Like th this, we're, we're not asking, we're telling you, right? So stick to your principles, stick to your buying criteria. Do not be scared to walk away from a deal, right? And I'm not saying that in terms of, tie everything up, waste everyone's time, then walk away. That's not what I'm saying. But it's like, if the due diligence says walk away, do it, right? There is a psychological thing called, you know, sunken cost, right? Where you've spent some money on stuff. I've We spent money on a building report. We spent money on a phase one. It, it can be psychological. You do not want to walk away because that money is gone. But it is a it is peanuts compared to what you could lose by pushing through a bad deal. Yeah, yeah, wow. How are your Saskatoon uh, multifamily assets performing? I know we've had a couple conversations. So gang, what I'll do in the show notes is, I, unfortunately I don't have off the top of my head, but usually after every big transaction Mike does, we go on and we tell the story and we talk about some of the Saskatoon properties. And I do want to talk about Battleford as well, if you're still doing that kind of cash flow play as well. But how are your Saskatoon properties performing based upon rents, based upon the the um, the, the cash flow numbers? How are they doing? They're doing well. So the, the rough layout of Saskatoon is, you know, we had a really challenging five years. So roughly 2015 down through 2020, you know, and I thought we were just starting to come out of it late 2019 slash 2020 COVID hits causes a lot of uncertainty. Um, but we are well and truly seeing rents on the uprise here for sure. We've raised rents on, you know, across the board, single family, main floor, single family, basement suite, all of our multifamily units. I believe we're on our second or our third you know, roughly hundred dollar increase, um, you know, in a reasonably short period of time, right out here, we can do that after one year, we can do that every six months. Right. And we're going, we have very little vacancy. Um, so it's the portfolio is performing the best that it's ever ha has. 
I'm also very fortunate in that this portfolio existed in 2020 and 2021. So I am locked in on exceptional interest rates on these multifamily properties, right? So we haven't had the pressure of rising interest rates yet, right? Because we're still locked into long-term debt. Most of those are five-year terms. In hindsight, I wish I went 10, but it is what it is. Um, so rents are rising. We are definitely seeing though expenses, right? Across the board. We have the the new carbon tax, the carbon tax has has elevated again here April 1st. Expenses are rising. So when people are running their metrics, you know, for a long time on this multifamily walk-up, you know, product, I would use roughly 5000 per unit per year. If I'm doing napkin math on something, that's my revenue, my expense line 5000 per unit per year. I'm using closer like I'm using 6 now and I'm debating with myself whether it really should be 65, you know, 100 to build in a a buffer. Yeah. And you and I have talked about this a lot like that is the difference when you're going into an older multifamily product versus new construction which our houses are. Yeah. Yeah, and like and the capex is there. Don't don't get me started on the whole thing about insurance and all that kind of stuff too. Insurance is just ridiculous at the same time and we're not going to open a can of fish here of talking about carbon taxes and all those taxes that are coming out from Ottawa and all those kind of things and and I often often call it also the inflation tax that Ottawa created as well that we're have, all having to deal with and suck it up as well. So, but anyways, that's for another day. Um, so by and large, Saskatoon's performing quite well for you and um, and you're doing well. How about Battleford? When I remember you had a conversation, you were moving out into the North Battleford area. So for people's perspective, it's it's further out of Saskatoon. It's a little smaller. It's still a city, but it's smaller, but it was a different play for you. How's that going for you? It, it's much more challenging than Saskatoon, for sure. Like to be fully transparent, it's a totally different model. Um, you know, the, the cash flow numbers, the cap rates are on paper so much higher, right? And it's a much more challenging market to manage in, just in terms of like, you know, tenant, tenant demographic, the condition of the property we were buying, that's our choice, but that's what we were looking for. We were taking on significant renovations, like properties that are almost literally destroyed, right? And that was an intentional play of, you know, we're trying to create a lot of value, we were able to do, you know, those perfect burrs, right? Where you put some capital in, refinance it, you get more than all your capital out. The managing though, you really need to be aware of what it takes to manage in some of these smaller markets. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and so going, or, sorry, oh, go ahead, going sorry. back to what we talked about earlier, like return on time, I, we're sitting at, I think a little over 50 units in the North Battleford market. I don't know that I'll grow that much more just from a, you know, it could start to cause some stress, you know, on the, on the systems. And we have a good system in place, but I think that's enough for me. The intention of that was just to generate some more cash flow because yeah. I have a lot of these long-term asset, like appreciation plays, mortgage pay, pay down plays. That was just to sprinkle some cash flow in, but I think I'm getting close to good there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I have often used the analogy for people sometimes, you know, and you said something to do in a perfect burr, you get in, you get all your capital out and all that kind of stuff. 
you know, sometimes just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> That's an FYI. Yeah. Um, you know, and and the other thing is sometimes be careful what you wish for. At the same time, you might you might actually have all your capital out, and you might be sitting there with this alligator that's levered up to the nines, and you you can't you can't let the alligator go because you you're going to be in such a negative position. You would have to write a check to let it go in some cases. Right. And, and that's where a lot of people yeah. get stuck sometimes is they sit there and go, I've got so much invested in uh, the mortgage balances. I've refinanced it three, four or five times. Uh, it's running on the margin. The values have dropped a little bit and Oh geez, now I got to put a $9,000 renovation in because the tenant just, you know what the place on the way out and you just yeah. sit there and people are just stuck and they just, they don't know what to do and they just can't let it go because it's painful to have to let something go that you've put a lot of time and effort and money into and potentially you have to write a check. And, you know, often when you, at the end, when you go back and go, geez, on that property I bought, you know, the only people that made money on that deal were the realtors and the, and the property manager and the lawyers that closed on it. It's like, we took all the risk and everybody else made money except us, right? Yeah. And that's a great point, Russell. Um, you know, to the real estate investors out there, I would I would be watching your leverage. Um, you know, and we're lucky, like I said, the, the North Balfour market is a higher cap rate. When we refinance these, we're still able to pull that capital out, you know, in that 75 to 80 range loan to value, not having to crank it to 95, right? And I know there are new products out there that can allow, as long as your debt service coverage ratio works, that will allow you to come up to 95% leverage you have to run a lot of stress scenarios, yep. right? And I look at, you know, some of the mentors that I work with that um, are extremely successful in real estate. And it's like, yes, debt and leverage are some of the most powerful tools we have at our disposal, but they can also hang you, yep. right? Yeah. And you, you have to be aware of that. Yeah, we're doing we're doing very similar to what you talked about is, is you know, using lever, leverage as a good tool and going longer term amortizations and going higher leverage. But we have very strong confidence in the product that we're putting on the marketplace. They're literally brand new. They're under warranty. They attract a great tenant profile. Honest to goodness, I was doing some of my year-end math and my year-end statements and it is such a night and day difference between the older defer, the older townhome properties and the brand new construction properties over here. Honest to goodness, I'm, I'm running at 1% maintenance fee on my new construction. And my other ones are in the seven, eight, nine, 10% range. And over time, that maintenance bill just kills you. It just absolutely just kills you over, over time. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're looking to do is to go fairly highly leveraged, get into it for seven to 10 years, add some value to the properties by adding more inventory, taking something from one to six or seven or eight units, and then down the road. And I'm going to talk big talk here for a second, but build out a portfolio, a whole bunch of this stuff, and then position it all and sell it off to a REIT down the road. So anyways, big talk, big talk. So, but that's the goal. No, that's the vision. That's the vision. It's an important point to you know, for real estate investors to realize there's a big difference between a pro forma and financial statements, right? Yeah. There's massive difference. Things can look amazing on pro forma, 
horrible on financial statement and vice versa. Yeah. Well, and that's why I have a, a good friend of both of ours who who makes a joke and he he says it very friendly and nice sometimes to say, once you've bought the place, you can take that pro forma and run it through the, through the paper shredder. He, he, he uses a little more graphic term sometimes where you can flush it, right? <laughs> yeah. After it's bought. But, but here's the thing is... Um, some properties, if you design it properly up front and design it in advance, they can they can go really they can perform very very well, like extremely well. Like some of the new construction properties we're doing right now, they're performing ahead of our expectations in many respects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know when our the single family when I was still working as a yep. vet, that was a dream portfolio. You know, I was still self managing, but it is you have A plus tenants, A plus properties. Life is good. Yeah, you know? the the challenge you just had was you built those at a peak of a marketplace. Well, for us, yeah, Saskatoon had ran up and then it it went higher, came down, but we were still able to exit um, those product that we built in 2012. We sold, I think, four or five of them last year, you know, and they were up like a hundred grand or so. Like if we built them for 420, we sold them for 520-ish, but... Yeah, but, but think about yeah. that for a second, Mike. Um, hundred grand over, so over the past so nine, ten years, in essence, right? Um, yeah, give well, or take. Now that's yeah. that gang. So sorry, I'm getting all excited here for a second. That is a normal market. That's what real estate markets should do. You should make a hundred grand potentially over things, inflation rate. You should make the hundred grand over a seven to ten year mark. It shouldn't be seven to ten months. Like that's where the last three years is, in my opinion, even though it made lots of people a lot of money, it actually did a disservice to a lot of people at the same time. The expectations and a lot of people got caught a little bit on the um, musical chair game as well. And the music stopped playing, even though it looks like it maybe stopped playing for maybe a year. um, Some people got caught without a chair to sit down on in the last year as well. Yep. Yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Now I know there's a lot more we can go down here, my friend. But but what's 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 next for you? You've you've sit there. You're you're you've climbed the you're climbing the mountain of best selling author. You've got a, a wonderful stock portfolio. You've got a real estate investment portfolio. You're continually buying. You're like you're, you're getting data the year trophies now from 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 from, from the people at the Saskatoon Inn and the water slides. Like what, what's next for you, my friend? Well. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? So for me, there's nothing too crazy coming down the pipe. It is just extremely focusing more on what is working and what I want, right? So when I set the goals for the year, um, my main goal continues to be relationship, you know, with my family, with Rosalie and the kids. My health is is a high priority, so I'm still pushing hard on that. And then the real estate portfolio you know, I'm going to keep going. I'm I'm a big fan of the prairie markets over the next few years. So, you know, Saskatoon, Edmonton, those are where I'm primarily focusing. I'm not saying no to other Saskatchewan and Alberta markets. I'm just saying that's where I'm focusing. Um, so I know I'm going to be making a, a bit of a push here over the next few years to continue to acquire, but staying extremely disciplined to like my buy box and my criteria. Um, I am poking around. I It's funny. Now I'm having flashbacks to the book where I say something in 2021 and it gets delivered in 2023, but I have an interest in, you know, triple net commercial property and bringing, you know, my vet veterinary connections together with my real estate knowledge and seeing, you know, 
can I, could I start to develop a location where a veterinary clinic goes in, but I own the real estate? Yeah. That's interesting to me, but honestly, I'm on step one or two of 10 on that. So, well, yeah. and, and here was, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I always feel like I, the reason why I, I, I loved working with you and still love working with you is because you're so coachable. Like you truly are. It's like, you're, you're one of the most accountable people I know. You're also one of the, even though with the book aside, I, I chuckled when you told me that date, cause I know how long it takes to do these things. I chuckled, but at the same time, I'm not going to tell you what you can and can't do, but you still, you deliver. And the only reason I just asked that last question is because I know how hungry you are and I know how driven you are. And, and I'm not saying I'm seeing this or hearing this. I just want to make sure you don't get complacent, right? Cause, cause, and the reason why I say that is because I myself self-admitted over the last couple of years, I got a little bit complacent. And I was starting to, um, I wasn't driving and being as aggressive and being as um, um, moving forward at the velocity I should have. And I just want to make sure that you're moving forward at the pace that's right for you. So if you were self-reflecting and being honest, are you are you driving the bus at the speed you want to go or do you have another gear? Oh, there's definitely another gear. There's definitely several more gears, um, right? And I do a big like vision goal setting typically at the end of the year and into the start of this year. And in 2023, I've implemented a few more systems, right? So you mentioned Corey earlier. Corey and I have a standing meeting you know, every Monday afternoon for a couple hours where we're just hammering listings, right? Like, and you know, at this point in a real estate investing career, you can analyze a building, the napkin analysis quite quickly, right? So we can look through buildings, decide, okay, what are we offering on? Um, so we made quite a, quite an intention that like we're blocking our calendar strictly for these activities. Cause these are the most important activities to move the businesses forward. Right writing offers. Like you got, you have to write offers. They have to get accepted and you got to close on them. Yep. Now, and, and you do know that the reason I was not trying to put you on the spot on any way, shape or form is just, it comes from love, a love of you and your family and who you are. And mostly it comes from, I just know, I know your potential. I know honest to goodness, what you can accomplish. And, um, it, it's, it frightens me to think about what Michael bug can accomplish at times. When, and when you really put your mind to it. And I just want to make sure you're going for it full on. And you can always call on me, Mike, if you ever need, you know, that kick in the backside or that help or support in any way, shape or form, because that's just the kind of guy I am. And that's because it comes from love. And I love you and your family. And I will do anything for you guys to help you guys fulfill upon what you're looking for. Well, thank you, Russell. I yeah. appreciate that. And yeah. I know, I feel that, you know, I, I know you're not just paying lip service. Yeah. Well, thank you. And and somebody actually asked me just recently, he goes, well, why do you care so much, Russ? And I go, I, I, I don't know how to answer it is, why do I care so much? Because I just care. I, I, I don't know how to really, well, why do you do this? I don't know, because I give a shit. I, I don't, is that a better answer? <laughs> and um, And that's just really what we're here to do is to just help each other. And I know vice versa, you're now at a point where if I ever came to you and I've come to you with some conversations about things, you're there, you got my back at the same time. So I, I just wanted to thank you uh, for that as well. All right. So final question, Mike, um, as we sign off here, because I know how busy you are and you got to get rolling. Um, maybe some final inspiring words for people. Most people on this 
show are entrepreneurs. Most of them are real estate investors. A lot of them were professionals like you were in, in a job. And um, maybe what's some message and some magic dust that you're going to leave everybody and some inspiring words from the, from the Michael Bug, um, from, from Michael Bug. Okay. I should have been better prepped for this. I didn't realize this is my fourth time. Otherwise I would have listened to the other ones to not repeat myself. Um, I'm going to go back to the language one because I know the, the other ones I was going to say I've said before. So I'm going to go to the language one and I would encourage all the real estate investors really listen to the words you're using and they don't have to be the words that come out of your mouth. There's a lot of dialogue that happens internally, you know, that voice in your head and you're telling yourself things, they may or may not be true, right? But if you hear them enough, you do start to believe them. So I would just encourage everyone, get a little more conscious of those words, of that dialogue that's happening inside your head and start to reframe probably everything, right? If it's not serving you, you need to reframe it. So, you know, we walk through how I reframed the raising of capital. It's just slight tweaks, right? It's it's slight tweaks to, to the words you say, to how you show up, but it does matter, right? It changes your posture. It changes how you show up. It changes your standards. So that, that'll be a new tip I can leave with your, with your audience, you know, is just give, give some thought to that. Look at the language you're using, look at the thoughts in your head, get conscious, reframe what's not serving you, find what's serving you and then get going after it. Right. You got a, you got a great sign behind you, shoot the puck because you can't just sit in your office and think that's important. Then you got to go do it. Wow. Woo-wee, bringing the heat, brother. Wow. And because that happens, wow. It's interesting you mentioned that, Mike. I was just having a conversation with my lovely wife this past weekend, and I just said, I just need to clean up my language to myself because left to my own device, it gets dark. Sometimes it's really dark in here. Like it's a, some dark thoughts. And the what if, what if something doesn't work or what if this is going wrong and what if this happens? And it just gets dark. Um, just you need to intentionally shine some light into our thoughts. And it all starts with our language, the language you use for ourselves. Like, it's funny, like I was sitting there and I was beating myself up and I would have never, ever used those words to another person, but I had no problem using them to myself, right? That's, that's the yeah. bizarre of the human condition. So, whew. Mike, I said this once and I'll say it a million times. You are so wise beyond your years and this world needs more Michael Bug out there. I know you don't want to spread, spread your wings into the real estate community uh, as much because you have your own, your own tribe and your own community, but we need more Michael Bugs in this community, by the way, my friend. Well, I appreciate that. I do, you know, yeah, I do have some plans at some point. I'm trying to really manage the load Yep. Hopefully as Ethan, you know, grows up and requires a little less sleepless nights, there'll be a little more bandwidth. Well, maybe there'll be a third, a third little baby coming away. Or have you, are you, have you had the appointment yet? Oh, there's been no appointment. Okay. Initially when Ethan was say one or two months old, the, the, the pendulum was very much towards two is enough. Yeah. Um, there has been glimmers of it swinging back to, well, maybe we'll go for three, but to be determined. That's yes. the official answer at this point. So you're not, you're not going to make a stand like you did for when the book was going to happen and stuff like that. And I'm going to play that clip in a few years from now on you when you have, when you have five children at that time, right? 
Oh, no, I'm not going on record with anything definitive on this one. Oh, Mike, it's, it's, you know, I think it's a good place for us to just sign off there and leave it there. It is just an honor to know you as a person. You, you're, you know, there's an old saying from Saskatchewan, which you'd understand is use good people. And you and Rosalie are about as good a people as I know that if you ever came, anytime I ever came to town, it was just like Rosalie's out buying snacks and, you know, the, oh, does he, does he like, what kind of beer does he like? Well, I just want to make sure you have the right beer. You're just, you're just, mi casa es su casa. You're just about as good of people as I will ever meet. And if you ever get a chance to meet Mike and Rosalie in any social situation, by all means, go up, say hello. They're good people. Thank you, Russell. All I right. really appreciate that. Have a good day, everybody. So what did you think about that episode? Wow, did you did you take as much away from that episode as I did? I just love the way Mike looks at his goal setting of his talking about his goal is not to buy hundreds and hundreds and thousands of properties and that. His goal is just to be the best dad he can possibly be. And his goal is not to run marathons. His goal is to be a dad. The reason why he runs marathons is so he can be healthy, so he can be a good dad and he's in good shape when when uh, his kids are of age and and how he can run up and down the, the stairs while doing, um, while doing the water slides with his daughter and his brand new son. It was just a, a wonderful, refreshing way of looking at that. And how about that bomb that he dropped about reframing how you're looking at raising capital? Reframe how you um, will go out there and um, attract capital from people you know, specific individuals and how that the focus is the return of the capital. It was just fantastic. You know, it's funny. I was, I was about to say is, you know, talking about other people's money and raising capital from other people. And I had to catch myself because of what Mike shared here. It's, you know, what, old dog sometimes has to learn a new trick every once in a while. Um, the, the, before I tell you the story that I set up at the very beginning I wanted to just share with you one quick thing. Um, Michael Bug is a pure testament of what coaching can do for you. Um, he is one of, uh, he is, um, you know, a walking testimonial of what coaching can provide. He is so coachable. He is a wonderful um, human being. And when, before we started working together, um, he he had all the raw materials uh, going, but when we first started working together, and and now don't don't take this in any don't take this wrong in any way, shape, or form. Um, I'm taking no credit for any of the incredible resi- results that Michael has done. I was just a catalyst to help point him in the right direction. It was a sounding board to help mold him towards what he already had going. Uh, but when we first met, when Mike and I started working together first, he he literally was broken in many respects. He had a, a you know, broken a kneecap and he was, uh, he was you know, what was it he termed? It was angry Mike, mad Mike, right? He was unhappy Mike at the time. And by work, us working together and getting him really clear in his intention and cl- clear on his goals and helping him execute against it, he took things up to the next level and he continues to take things up to the next level and he's paying that forward and helping others. That is what can happen if you have a good coach on your side 
helping you to take things up to the next level. So gang, if you are interested and you're maybe just a little bit stuck and you just need to know where you want to go and you need some help taking things up to the next level for yourself, um, listen to the few stories that Mike has told. And that is the power of having a good coach on your side, a good coach in your corner, helping you to take things up to the next level level. So if you are interested in having a conversation, I do have some capacity within my coaching program right now. I do take on um, you know, only a handful of people at a time. I don't take hundreds. I don't take group. Um, and at the same time, you'll be quite uh, pleasantly surprised at the investment into one-on-one personal coaching. Uh, I've been told that my personal coaching is less of an investment than people's group coaching is out in the marketplace. And the cool thing at the same time, you actually get a whole bunch of other resources. You actually get access to a group and you get access to a community. You get access to people taking action. You get a a lot more access at at an, an affordable investment all at the same time. Okay, so if you are interested, they're in the show notes below. There should be some place that you can fill in a little bit of information. And I'd love to have a conversation with you of, coaching is a fit for you and help you take things to the next level, just like Michael, Michael Bug has done him for himself. Okay. Now I'm going to end this off with a, um, with a story and I'm just trying to, you know, find out uh, the best way to tell this story. Cause it was, it was a, it was a wild and crazy tale. Honest to goodness. Um, there was a, uh, and I'm, you know, going to not share the names for, for, you know, not for their privacy, but they, they haven't given me permission to share this as well. But um, it was somebody who I hadn't talked to for a better part of, uh, you know, a few years now. It was probably almost coming on three years, two to three years for sure. And uh, we connected and got on the telephone and they were on their way actually that day heading on an airplane out of the country. And we just had to catch up and, you know, the conversation kind of started off as, well, when did we last talk? And I was going, geez, I don't know how long it's been. He goes, well, was it before my, before or after my heart, heart surgery? I go, uh, you had a heart surgery? <laughs> so he goes, oh, well, obviously we haven't talked <laughs> since then. So, um, Not to go through all the details, but he had a couple um, crazy health things that just all surfaced all at the same time. And um, he literally had um, heart surgery, open heart surgery, multiple things that have happened. And he was in the hospital for, geez, better part of almost a month. Um, At many times, he was instructed, maybe you should say your goodbyes to your your family and uh, and because you might not survive what you're going through in eight hours on an operating table. And I think even he said he flatlined uh, during that time. They had to revive him, stuff like that. And then from there, it's just, it changed his direction and changed his life. And, um, you know, sometimes when you maybe have a month on your deathbed, um, you, you reevaluate what's important in life. And he shared with me, um, you know, maybe here's kind of the, I'll just tell one of the stories from there. Um, so interesting to note before we had a conversation together, I was looking over at my bookcase and I have, you know, I used to have hundreds of books on there. I've slowly gotten rid of a few, but on my bookcase, there was one book that was sitting there and it's um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And I've read that many, many years ago. And, and it was of all the books on my bookcase, it was the only book that was in there that was upside down. Like the, the spine was up upside down. So I just, you know, five minutes before I was talking to my friend I hadn't talked to for a couple of years, I just go, why is that book upside down? 
took it, turned around, put it back in the bookcase. And then when we were having a conversation, he was saying that when he was on his death, you know, when he was in the hospital for 30 days, he found this book by Stephen Pressfield called The War of Art. And I must go, oh my goodness, but the hair in the back of my neck just stood up. And it, it's, a, it's a story of um, essentially about a creative process and the resistance you feel. And the bottom line with a lot of it is, um, you know, don't wait for to be, you know, having a health scare. If you have a passion, if you have something that you want to do, do it now. And that was the message that he left with me. And it was just very touching for him to, to share that was, is, you know, don't wait. You know, if you have that drive, if you have that passion, if there's something that you've always wanted to do, you just never know when your last day on this earth might be. And just do it now. Just lean into it. And it re reaffirmed to me a couple things. A couple of years ago, I made a, a big, bold commitment. And I think it was in 2019. It was leading into 2020. I made a big, bold commitment of, uh, of an intention that I had to support real estate investors. And I had a big, you know, blustery, all, you know, bravado talk. It was going to be a million people by 2035 and going to help a million people with the tools and resources to help you buy one more property on there. And I had, I, I set that intention at that time. And, and to be honest, over the past, um, that'll be coming on to three years now. Um, I, I, I'm behind. I'm way behind that goal and I'm way behind that intention. And um, I need to start taking that up a notch. That's just kind of maybe me talking to myself. And, you know, gang, I know we've talked about this many times is, you know, this is my therapy for me is to have therapy is, you know, start a podcast and share my thoughts and what's going on um, out to a wider audience. But that's what I'm doing. And I need to really just lean into it a lot more. Um, maybe you're going to hear a little bit more about that over the, the course of time. But at the, the end of being is that I'm going to have to have the help of more people. I'm going to have to inspire more people to take action. I'm going to have to, you know, just do the work that is required to have to make this intention a reality. And hopefully part of the process of doing that is going to be this um, podcast is going to be one of the intentions. So look forward to grow, look forward to be a lot more intentional and also have some really fun um, real estate deals on cooking on, on the go as well. As you've meant, as you may have heard in the past few episodes, there were, I believe there's a huge opportunity within the, the, the Canadian housing market to add some housing inventory out there, add some good rental product out in the marketplace. And that's what I'm doing on a real estate side, but also on a inspiring, uh, bigger purpose vision is to start building and supporting real estate investors on a bigger and bigger way. Okay, gang. So with all that being said, I'm just going to leave the same message that that person left for me is that if there's something that you want to do, if you need to take something to the next level, if there's something bigger, a bigger picture, a bigger purpose and a bigger game that you want to play, do it now. Don't wait. You just never know what's going to happen. All right. And with all that being say, said, everybody, remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. 
Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.